Hey all you lucky listeners out there in earbud land and welcome to another episode of Playing Records with John on the FYIZ podcast feed. I'm your host, John, and this time I'll be joined by my good friend, Chris Garrison, uh, for a discussion of uh, perhaps the most reviled form of music, the commercial jingle. Now I'll admit up front, I have a soft spot for jingles. They're crafted to buzz around your head like an insect that won't be ignored. And, and as irritating as that is, I actually respect that a lot. And I happen to know that Chris also appreciates them over the last several decades of talking about just about every subject in depth. Uh, we have actually mentioned some of our favorite commercial jingles to each other. So I knew he had favorites. I had favorites. I thought, why not devote an episode of this podcast to it? So that's exactly what we did. Uh, a couple of years ago. This was actually recorded back in 2018, but I'm just getting around to editing it for you now. It's still guaranteed fresh, and if I had more time, I'd write a jingle about that. But uh, since I don't, here's Chris and me, and uh, yeah, one of the lowest the art forms there is. Take a snip, pull it out. The taste is gonna move you when you pop it in your mouth. Juicy fruit. I think I just am the type, for whatever reason, to have my mind open to all different types of music. There can be a good song in most any genre and, and coming at you from, from most anywhere. And uh, even though it's a, it's a commercial ploy, it's there to try to get you to buy something. But it happens that they made good music. Yeah, there's something about it having a purpose that makes it seem lesser than in a strange way. This is music that a music snob would probably say is just dreck or is just garbage. Well, but that snobbery might be of our era. That might be gone now because, you know, we grew up on on the notion that you could be a sellout and you shouldn't be working for the man and you should be making your own art. Uh, you know, but nowadays a, a, a musician will make a song and then sell it to a TV commercial the next day after it's a hit or whatever. And I don't think that people... Most people of a younger age than us are not mad at them. They just think, yeah, that's what you do. I think the notion of someone's got to make a buck somehow is where a lot of that comes from. And so especially if anyone is working in the kind of gig economy right now or is a freelancer or is, you know, fresh out of school and is looking for a job, the notion of selling a song for thousands of dollars to a, to a car company or something like that doesn't seem as, yeah, it doesn't seem as inauthentic and as negating of the art. Yeah, you can't really be mad at them because you know that they didn't have the opportunity to sell that many on a record. I have now gotten to the point where as a, you know, working musician or wannabe working musician that I would certainly not turn down a single jingle <laughs> assignment. Well, I wouldn't say a single. There are some some companies I would probably say no to or uh, or some some you know, ad campaigns I would say no to for, for aesthetic or, or ethical reasons. John, we need a jingle for uh, separating uh, children from their parents at the border. Can you get on that, please? Lee Greenwood already wrote that song, and it's extremely popular. It's already out there. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't hear them as much as you used to. When we were growing up, they were everywhere, and now it kind of seems like people have gotten hip to the fact that jingles are kind of lame. And so maybe you have ironic jingles, and you have classic jingles, and you have some that are still companies that are big enough 
that they that they ha- that it doesn't seem to matter whether it's ironic or not. It's yeah. just it is what it is. But you don't hear quite as many of those like sing songy, get stuck in your head, kind of annoy you into submission and jingles just set. cheesy jingles. You know, yeah. Now I right. mean, there still are, still are plenty of exceptions to that, and plenty plenty of jingles that are just like. You could call it a jingle, but it's it's really just two lines, or it's just the name of the company, and so it only takes the last five seconds of the commercial to do it. But uh, yeah, you, I think it's a lot more rare. What they used to do is like, let's come up with a thirty-second song, and the whole commercial is just that song, and we're singing about the product throughout the song. And we're kind of banking on people hearing this and almost having uh, like a Pavlovian response to this product because they enjoy the song or or maybe getting the song so stuck in their head that they're humming it and singing it and it makes them more likely to buy this product. Yep. Like the big ones I think of uh, right off the top of my head are always the very minimalist ones. Nabisco was a big one. Oh, nice, yeah. And then... We're Beatrice, which actually is more just a vocal <laughs> tag, but with right. a do-do-do-do-do after it. But you have to say it a certain way, yeah. There's by Menon, and I guess by Menon, that's an example of one that now gets used, and it's like there's something self-knowing about how silly it all is. Uh, right, or we know it's quirky and weird to to bring back our, our jingle from long ago. My first selection, now this is a jingle for a car dealership here in Maryland. And this is one that that shortly after I moved here, I believe it's been around that long. So it's been around probably 20 years or more. And it's just in that traditional style of the kind of what I was saying a minute ago. Just we're going to put some emotion and some rock and roll attitude behind this car dealership. Who has the guaranteed lowest prices? Thompson Automotive. You don't just buy a car. You buy a company. (laughs) I love it. That was great. There's something about the way the guy says it. He's, it sounds like he might have been in their family or something. He has a little accent to the way he sings. You don't just buy a car. This guy just sounds like he should have been singing the He-Man theme song or something like that. You know, he's got that kind yeah. of 80s voice. You're right that there might be a little regional twang to it. The, the uh, mid-Atlantic accent is, is very distinctive and no vowel escapes unharmed. Right. It's so outsized. And every time I think about buying a car, <clears throat> every time... I think about a car. Every time I see a car, <laughs> basically, I hear that song in my head. Seeing that the jingle is contained in the last 10 seconds, maybe tops, of the commercial for, for this one, uh-huh. really made me think about the song craft. Right. And then hearing it and going, oh, yeah, it's all there. Somehow it seems like it shouldn't be able to do it in as short of a time as that. I'm fond of writing songs that are about 25, 35, 40 seconds long just because I think you can get a lot done in that. But the songwriting economy of one of those songs is maybe something that impresses me a little bit. And yes, even though that is an incredibly cheesy one, uh, um, yeah, would I have cashed the check? Yes, sir, I would have, right. would have cashed the check. And they got in, I mean, yeah, in those nine seconds or whatever, they got in like the drum intro that's so exciting and builds you up. And, and you're right, it almost does say like, here comes an action cartoon. So what have you got for me? Okay, well, this, I'm going to play you sort of a, a, a cycle of, of songs here. Uh that uh, were done for uh, Bluebell ice cream. And this is a little different strategy, I think, than the usual earworm where it's like, you know, so many jingles get you by just repeating, repeating, repeating so much. And they're obnoxious and you you almost hate them, but they work because they're in your head. 
uh, Bluebell Ice Cream went through this this period of doing these just lovely songs, almost too lovely. They'll probably annoy a lot of people here, but uh, they're just so nice, and they have little hooky moments that are, you're going to remember, but the strategy was more like, let's just write a very pleasant song that happens to include a bit about ice cream and then play it three times a day, and you know, year after year, you'll eventually have that stuck in your head for the rest of your life. So here is uh, one in particular that, that I, re I remember uh, being on TV in 1996. It has a certain magic all its own And memories are made there every day A lifetime of good times shared along the way Have yourself a bluebell country day Collecting each moment one by one While over the years each day a lifetime of good times shared along the way. Have yourself a bluebell country day. Okay, I have a question. What? Why do they feel the need to make me cry? And all they're trying to do is sell <laughs> some ice cream. <laughs> some ice cream. <clears throat> People right. that aren't seeing the the visuals here, you can go and look it up. I guess. Um, it's a it it it's 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 a little bit like. Uh, a Pixar short or something yeah. in terms of just what it does with the the time it has and the visual communication that it has. Now it, it does have this absurd element to it as well, but it's a it's an older couple that's going to a house that they used to live in and they're remembering all the memories uh, that they that they experienced living there. Do, are they brother and sister or husband and I wife? Thought I thought there was three. On... I figured there. I thought there was two old ladies and an old man, and that they grew. So I figured there were siblings who grew up in this house, and now they're. They're old. I thought one of the women was visually younger as th than the other one, read as younger, and therefore was maybe the daughter taking them to that. But you're right. That makes more sense. So it looks like it might be three siblings, three elderly siblings that have gone to a house that they used to live in, and all the memories come flooding back. And they had to make it a whole minute. So this is like an epic. We can't In, in 30 seconds, we, we can't uh, tell you the story of somebody going back to their old house and having nice memories. We've got to stretch it out to a whole minute so that, to make sure you know that they romped in the field with the dog and that they, you know, uh, uh, picked the green beans. And this is some old-timey shit. I mean, this is days gone by stuff that they were remembering, right. too. That's what made right. me wonder, is this all really the same group? Because it almost seems like in 1996, none of these people look old enough to have the <laughs> memories that they're having. Well, they remember in the 1930s, 1940s, and they were poor enough that they would be wearing the suspenders and no shoes. You know, yeah, it, but you're right, it is a little bit Huckleberry Finn. Looking. Then in the midst of all this, after they have the sort of walk down memory lane of seeing the home that was their, their childhood home, their family home, it's now in disrepair and it's an old abandoned house. Um, they've either arranged or, to have or they've brought some ice cream with them. Right. That's a little weird. I wasn't paying that close of attention. to. I just was hunting for the song. And so I didn't notice that the house was abandoned. I thought maybe they just showed up and made ice cream with the people who live there now or or something like that but yeah that that's a real mystery if they well the house looks all know. boarded up and derelict oh well yeah that 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 is a mystery so yeah they kept the ice cream in their car 
and maybe they showed up, and all those memories are what they were thinking about for the first 17 seconds of their visit. Then they pulled the ice cream out of the car and started eating it. Or it's possible that their memories, this is, this is Bluebell's genius, their memories were so powerful they generated Bluebell ice cream. So Bluebell mm, ice cream right. is sort of a thing. It's like it magically appears yes. whenever nostalgia is really strong or like, whenever you're feeling like really strong emotions, you can conjure up. Maybe if you've got three people that are all feeling the same emotion, they can, you know, in, anything's possible probably. Like so the Kool-Aid man appears when you're really hot and sweaty. Yeah, um, like in a time of need. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I like that um, uh, that they the hook at the end is... is uh, uh, have yourself a bluebell country day, and I just love how that doesn't make sense. You've just injected the name of your ice cream into a normal sentence, you know. Right. And so it's like a little sublime. I mean, they're saying, you know, uh, ice cream is a great way to say have yourself a bluebell country day, but it's still the way it's stuck in there is so odd. But it's just it's genius to me because it's it's like subliminally sticking in any sense. Like like if you said. Uh, tell your mom I hope she Coca-Cola gets well soon. You know, it's just like, okay, I'll tell her. And then, oh, wait, why am I thinking about Coca-Cola now? You know, See you guys, I can't believe it's not butter later. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, so then what happened is Bluebell went on some kind of a tirade over the following years of like, man, that's just a good song. Uh, so here's the second one. This one's a duet. If you could take a rainbow and a clear blue summer sky And mix them with a gentle breeze in a bowl of pure sunshine You'd have the taste of bluebell made the good old-fashioned way Then you'd have a real good start on a bluebell country day Homemade ice cream, what a perfect way to say Aren't they aren't they pushing the definition of the word homemade? Maybe they uh, made thousands of gallons of ice cream in their home and shipped it all over Texas and the surrounding states for several years. Bluebell homemade ice cream, what a perfect way to say. Have yourself a bluebell country day. Maybe, maybe all they did was they said, okay, one guy has to live in the factory, and then we, <laughs> right, can, right. we can call it homemade ice cream. Maybe, yeah, that's actually pretty good. I wonder, uh, actually, I'm, now I want to know who that is, who lives in the factory. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> it almost sounds kind of like a mystery story. Really, that would be, if I was in charge of their ad campaign, I would lean on <clears throat> the mystery of who lives in the factory. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that it can be truly homemade ice cream. That's a great loophole for a lot of companies. If anybody out there is listening and you want to call your product homemade, I think we just found a brilliant loophole for you. It's just, just you know, shack up in your office and uh, and there, there you'll be. It's all homemade, whatever you make. Right. It's probably a skeevy caretaker named Ricky or something who lives in the basement. His family owned the, the factory before Bluebell moved in, and now he lives in the walls. <laughs> right. That's the commercial I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That comes after these. Um, so, and so here's, right. here's one more uh, awesome, uh, awesome Bluebell song, uh, which yet again is different but the same. Bluebell homemade ice cream is the ice cream on the cake. It's the tip of the top, the cream of the crop, like having your own ice cream 
so achingly earnest, but it can't be earnest because it's a jingle, and so it's achingly, uh, falsely earnest. <laughs> but that's the thing about that's why I wanted to bring these because I feel like they're they're believable. Right. Like like uh, like if you told me they you know there was a, a songwriter cousin of the owner, and they said, "Hey, will you write us some jingles?" And the cousin said, "Actually, let me instead take these." lovely songs that I've written about the good old days and just stick ice cream into them. You know, I would believe that because they just are that believable as like, you really care about this when you when you wrote this song. This jingle is leaning hard into this good old days thing that, that we know is a sham. I think that that myth has been allowed to survive for a really long time. And I'm sure on some level, it, maybe it has sold some ice cream. Oh, sure. Yep. Well, my next one is one that I'm, I'm certain you'll remember. And I put in two different versions of this song. One is the one that I, I, this is one where I would really say, I don't necessarily think this is like a song that I would say I love, but I would say it's a song that, like the Thompson Automotive song, which is of much more recent vintage, this is a song that has been in my brain since 1983, when this campaign uh, ran on, on, I guess, a lot of the television stations I was watching. Yes, that's a classic. I had forgotten about that, though, but I, I, I remember distinctly that that was stuck in my head for, you know, 15 or 20 years, but uh, now it's been another uh, 10 or 15 years since I've thought about it. So uh, thanks for bringing that back. And, and there were several different versions of that commercial, but I feel like that one, I realized at the time it was an emulation of the Material Girl video. But that was an homage to Marilyn Monroe and Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, right? I don't know when Material Girl came out. If it came out in 84 or 85, then maybe the Shasta commercial got to the uh, Marilyn Monroe uh, homage I'll first. I'll bet it's the other way around. Now, there is another version of the Shasta commercial that you may remember that same song, but a different version, and it had penguins in it. Hmm. And I, w I would say, play this version of the song. It may not stick out in your mind as being as iconic, but I have something interesting to say about this. Okay. Don't give me that so -so soda, that same old cola. Awesome. Well, who is doing that song? I, did, I had no, I just kind of stumbled into this when I was pulling these links up. That version of the song, I'm almost certain of this. Everyone on the internet seems to be almost certain of it, um, if not certain. But I can't find anything to contradict that this is a version of the song that was performed and perhaps written. I don't know who wrote this song. It's not. It's hard to find sometimes who wrote a jingle. But that this version of the song was was made by Al Jurgensen, later of the group Ministry. Hmm. Oh, what? Yes, you know what Ministry sounds like. I had friends in high school who were into industrial music. Al Jurgensen slash Ministry were sort of a, you know, monolithic 
huge group. So I think that's very funny. Clearly, it just is a guy who earlier in his career, apparently he made more synth poppy things that were sort of of the era uh, in the 80s. Right. So maybe maybe to people who followed his whole career, it's not such a shock to hear that singing and playing and, and think that Al Jurgensen had anything to do with it. But still, for me, it was a real eye-opener to the fact that, A, the guy's career went back that far, which is not surprising given that I knew who he was in 87 or 88. So the fact that five years before that he was doing a different kind of music is not really that strange. But still, what, what a switch. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, well, the next thing I'm going to bring is uh, Tennessee Pride. And you and I... Grew up singing this Tennessee Pride commercial that uh, that, that played in 1982, and uh, uh, so uh, it, and it's really just a regular commercial with the with a jingle tacked at the end there, uh, and then uh, well let's play this and and then and then we'll go down to YouTube rabbit hole where it takes you. <laughs> Real country sausage, the best you ever tried. Pick up a pound or two at Tennessee Pride. Tennessee Pride fresh sausage links, made with the best cuts of pork, meaning we use all the hams, loins, and tenderloins all the time. From the skillet to your plate, they're packed full of fresh country flavor. Tasty Tennessee Pride fresh sausage links. Take home a package of Tennessee Pride. And, uh, yes, this commercial... For us growing up, obviously, I think what I always remembered about the commercial or why I noticed it when I was a kid is it was a commercial that had an animated mascot and anything animated, no matter right. what it was, when I was a kid, I would latch onto it. Yep. At the end of the commercial, he jumps into the label. It's that kind of thing. And he becomes the drawing on the label. But he's just like, a, it's like a little, it's a little hillbilly who says in a very slurred, very, uh, like, like he's like, almost like he's got some chaw in his lip or something. Yeah. So take home a package of Tennessee pride. And I feel like that was a real touchstone for us when we were kids. We met in middle school and, and we're friends through high school. And I just feel like that was just something, again, something we might say at any given moment, not because we loved the sausage so much or even we're <laughs> thinking about the commercial. It was just in the air. We just, you know, everyone right. we knew at that moment knew that, knew that. Right. And anyone at right. our high school might have said that or would have recognized it. And in my mind, over the years, I think he's gotten more and more exaggerated to sound more like a Gomer Pyle character than, than he really did. But he is pretty darn twangy. Uh, but he's, and he's pleasantly animated in that commercial and then yeah he jumps onto the label growing up in alabama did you ever feel a little bit spiteful towards tennessee pride oh not at all that never occurred to me yeah you didn't wish there was a you didn't say well, where's alabama pride sausage no. no i didn't give a care that's interesting now now i'm gonna get mad about it <laughs> but what happened was i wa i've dug this up watched it on youtube and then found out of what i should have guessed is that there had been an earlier version of this that the 1982 version was sort of a a reboot a remake and that earlier they had had a commercial where um, it was animated throughout. It was in black and white. I guess it was sixties, maybe late fifties, probably sixties. And uh, and you get to spend a lot more time with the Tennessee Pride kid. And then not only that, then he he throws it off to Mr. Odom, another animated character who I guess is based on the real life founder of the company or something. For him to have such a specific name is Mr. Odom, who tells you how the sausage is made. Ooh, you don't want to know that. No, that's what they say, but I guess they weren't thinking about that in this commercial. Jesus Christ, apparently this Odom guy has not heard the maxim. <laughs> right, nobody wants to see how the sausage is made. Um, so, uh, so this is, you get a lot more bang for your buck in this one. Our real country sausage 
the best you ever tried. Look for me on the label of Tennessee Pride. It's real country sausage, yes, furry. The secret of the goodness is the recipe. But before this song is done, I'll play. Mr. Odom will tell you how it's made. Well, we start with fresh meat. It's really grand. Pure whole hog pork, the best in the land. Then we add a dash of X and a pinch of Z. And for flavor and taste, we add Y, 9, D. A touch of old magic blends all three. That's the secret of the secret the recipe. Our real country sauce is the best you ever tried. Look for me on the label of Tennessee Pride. So that's just another example of our culture devolving when the, you, you find out that the thing you liked well enough is a, a much, just completely pales in comparison to the original that came 20 years earlier. Mr. Odom is kind of like, he's kind of like the Barney Google of Tennessee Pride because we're, he just disappeared from the whole narrative at some point. Right, that's true. They they dropped him. We all we have now is the Tennessee Pride kid, you Yeah, know? that's true. They completely dropped him. What happened to Mr. Odom? Maybe he lives in the Bluebell factory. <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh, uh here's another version I enjoyed on on uh, YouTube wherein uh this is just on a live show and so they had a live kid playing the Tennessee Pride kid. You, you know, you you think this is just a little one-off uh commercial where it's like oh yeah they they did that and it was just sort of regional but uh just to find out that there's more and more to it that at some point there was an actual kid uh and there's and so in this there's a couple of uh, bluegrass musicians who are playing on some live show and i'm sure it's just time for the commercial and so they bring the kid in and they sing they sing the tennessee project listen to this Oh, that's country as it can be. Reminds me of country sausage and hot biscuits. Hey, come on, Patsy! Hey, no, no, no. Come now. Are you ready? Let's sing. It's country as can be. Made from old and recipe. With the secret free ingredient. X, Y, and Z. It's country as can be. Taste it and you will see. Just remember the name. Man, that is Southern. <laughs> it's the real deal, right? Well, if you want to uh, continue to explore the downfall of the Tennessee Pride commercials, uh, we've seen that they have, have gotten poorer through time. Well, now we're going to see Ziggit even poorer in a 2006 uh, version they did a 3D animated Tennessee Pride Kid. They did apply the uh, uh, technique to it to where it, it, they try to make it look drawn. You know, it, it's surrounded by lines, uh, but you can tell it's 3D animated. Not that that's necessarily bad. That can be fantastic. But this one is crummy looking. And uh, just to end on a down note, let's watch 2006. sausage and biscuits. No time, Mom. 
for a real country sausage if this you ever tried. Pick up a pounder to a Tennessee pride. You do have time to enjoy the tradition of real country taste with Tennessee pride sausage and biscuits. You'll miss the bus. I'll walk. Take home a pound or two, Tennessee pride. Yeah, they did that thing where you um, you you cheaply computer animate something and then you add lines to it to suggest that you're doing cell animation or or hand drawn animation, and it always looks horrendous. Yeah, what a monstrosity that commercial is. People that are that are listening um, and not seeing the visual, I'll find some way maybe to include the links. <laughs> I don't know how we'll no, make sure people see these. Don't make them. <laughs> but then they also but if they want to see out... if they want to see what we're talking about though, uh, Tennessee Pride slamming doors is the YouTube item to search for there. But what I wanted to say about that is, I, I mean, my general thought when I see that commercial is, what have they done to him? What have they done to the Tennessee Pride kid? I don't think that's the Tennessee Pride kid. That's not him anymore. You know, it doesn't. He's yeah. moving around. He's he's it's just crazy he's he's either they've either got him doped up on something and he's acting not like himself or that's not really him so well, he's kind a, of he's like mr odom you know it's a it's like a body snatchers uh, situation it's an alien who's who's taking his form in some way but you can tell something's horribly wrong but they even threw out the tag of of having him yell take home a package mm-hmm. of tennessee pride they're like no we're, we're done with that so you're just sad it's a travesty. And we haven't really gotten into the sausage itself, whether it's any good. I, I'm sure I've had it at different points in my life. I don't know if it's uh, if it's the best I've ever had. But I I probably have taken home a package. What about you? Have you taken home a pound or two? Because some, sometimes they say, take home a pound or two of Tennessee Pride. To me, honestly, there's never been a time in my life when I was getting a pound or two. Okay. Me neither. If I've ever gotten two pounds, it was because a recipe called for it. And if I was ever getting a pound of, of sausage, I probably thought that was enough. Yeah. Well, uh, my next one is one that I know you've heard and I know you've thought about and I know you've given some some time to in your own life. And it's it's different from a traditional jingle in that it's, well, you'll you'll play it and you'll you'll know what I mean. It's different. You'll see what it is. Okay. All right, I don't know what I'm going to hear. Here we go. All right, now, I'm real fast. Let me tell you what I'm thinking. This should come to pass. My name is Geek. I put them on as a shocker. Man, I love these blue blockers. Everything is clear. They block out the sun. Oh, yeah, I got to get me some. Everything is groovy now. I'm the bull in my speech. This is what I do up and down Venice Beach. My name is Geek. I'm more than a hip hopper. And I'll be cheap in my blue blockers. Yeah. Now, what do I mean? Yeah, these sunglasses are really, really keen. So there you have it, folks, out there in TV land. Get you some glasses that sweep in the land. Remember what I said, now I'm a hip-hopper, yeah. Go get you some blue blockers. Mm. Now, yep, it's sweet. I'll see you later. I got to make some money on the beach. <laughs> yes. I love it. Haven't heard him in quite a while. You, you you remember that commercial when we were kids for Blue Blockers, or when we were younger. I don't guess we were kids. I don't know when it came. I guess we were young. It was 80s, mid-80s, right? Was it that far back? I don't know. I, thought I think it was. That was... Blue Blockers been around as a company is about that time, and I yeah. really think that their their rise is synonymous with the sort of infomercial 
ad. Like, I don't know they existed yes. as a product before that. We so. should explain. Are you going to explain this to the folks? Well, I'm going to talk about a, what little I know. I believe the company got started in 1986. And nowhere in their company information, at least uh, when, when I looked at a blurb that is like a company blurb about the history of the company, nowhere in there do they mention that freestyler named Dr. Geek. Oh, no. Who was a, a very well-known guy uh, in the Venice Beach community of a kind of a street performer who would go up and down the beach and, you know, kind of like a busker would just get, you know, just for, for tips, essentially, would yeah. freestyle rap and stuff. And and in that commercial, when you watch it, it really feels like that day that they went down to Venice Beach, I guess, and shot this commercial, which is now iconic to me. Right. They got these great, these, um, these great audience or, you know, great uh, customer testimonials, probably people that just shoved a pair of, head, uh, of, right. of sunglasses on their face. And, and ask them to say these things. But I just remember everything about that commercial being so like, so corny and overdone and silly. When you think back now, it's just probably people that were, I don't know if they got paid a little bit or if they got uh, just the fun of being on camera. In the clip of uh, Dr. Geek, he was like any other person that did a testimonial on camera, mm-hmm. not a guy who they paid or brought in or who became part of their mythology or became somebody that they celebrated. In the clip of the video with that rap in it, you can see the person reaching out for him to return the sunglasses to them. So they weren't even giving him a free pair of sunglasses oh. for something that to me seems like this is why I care about blue blockers at all is because I remember I didn't know he was named Dr. Geek. Yeah. Um, the other thing about Dr. Geek is he originally was from Detroit and the one bio I found on him in an obituary made it sound like he traveled across the country freestyling and bringing joy to people and ended up in Venice Beach and he actually died in uh, 2014. Uh, uh, and it didn't say anything like before he died, Blue Blockers came back and gave, you know, they shot a new commercial with him right. or anything like that. Um, and I didn't investigate further to see if he does have clips or things that he's done um, you know, maybe maybe someone else in the hip hop community came in and picked him up and used him on a track, or maybe he did some kind of collabs or something. Because apparently he's somewhat respected, somewhat viewed as a as a beloved figure at mm-hmm. least. And all I know for sure about his later years, as opposed to his early years, is in that clip that we saw, he was wearing a sort of sombrero esque hat, and that later he wore a jester cap. You know, in his in his later days before his death, he had switched to a jester's cap. But apparently he was no longer at Venice Beach. Maybe he was somewhere else, Hollywood Boulevard, I believe, that he uh. was his stomping grounds towards the end. So anyway, just a, a, possibly a sad story about Dr. Geek yeah. wrapped up in this extremely memorable and extremely corny and extremely uh, silly commercial for these sunglasses that I don't know if they actually did anything that all sunglasses don't do. I, I You know, the science, as far as I'm concerned, is still out on blue blockers. Well, I think they do, you know, they block blue light and there's that form of sunglasses and you see them, you know, it comes around every few years somebody else puts out another one they act like it's a big deal and it just looks cool when you look through them and you haven't seen through them it just changes all the colors in a way that does make things sort of more vivid and more clear usually to me it looks like in a way that would seem annoying after five minutes but that right when you put them on you are kind of like wow ooh, this is dramatic you know so that's why it would be easy to go down to the beach and get people saying oh my gosh i've never seen anything like this but then, yeah, I always thought that he was spontaneous, that they happened to come upon a real character while they were just looking for <laughs> regular folks, and he went into a rap, and then they put that on their commercial and used it for years, but I always kind of thought, oh, and but that they came back and found him later and got him to do more, and he got paid and became an official spokesperson, but yeah, maybe that never happened, maybe they just continued to use that original clip of him. You know, they would just use two lines usually, uh, and he probably did not get paid anymore or anything special because I don't remember him doing anything that seemed more uh, 
you know, uh, planned out. Well, nowadays that guy would go on various uh, talk shows and would have a YouTube following and all that kind of stuff. Right. But he was he was that guy before you could do that. And so, yeah, there might be more facts out there than I was able to find in my brief my brief research for this. But I was shocked that there was not a a, um, a Wikipedia page for Blue Blockers or for or for Doctor Geek. Ah. Oh. So what's your final selection, I suppose? Oh, well, this is uh, from before our time, uh, and so I really didn't uh, grow up with it, but I've just sort of since noticed, I guess, uh, I think from our friend Ben, uh, I've seen him singing this, and it's an old black-and-white animated ad for Frosty Morn Ham, and this is just that kind of wonderful world where all hams, all little pigs wish they could grow up to be good enough to be turned into this certain brand of ham, which is of such a high quality uh, that it'll make them feel great. And it's just a very catchy earworm and with high singing little pigs, almost a chipmunky and frosty morn ham. nostalgic for me and it's it's a cute little tune and it's also the most morbid thing <laughs> that I've ever seen <laughs> right <laughs> now is it is it nostalgic for you because you used to work with Ben and he would sing it I just mean the look of it it reminds oh, okay. me of it's that old animation that I find incredibly easy to watch you know easy right. to look at it's just the the designs are, are are cute but they have this kind of uh um simplicity to them that I think was very mid-century. There's mm -hmm. a there's a very clean style to it and I like the way that it's it's animated. It's kind of lushly animated compared to, you know, uh I mean in a, it's I guess what I'm saying is it's very limited but it also is 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 kind of attractive animation. So yeah, no, there's just something about that style that I could watch. And the designs of yeah, maybe it is nostalgic to me that when I was a kid that was kind of the the style of cartooning that was well established. You know, you grow up in the 70s, you see a lot of stuff from the 50s and the 60s. And so that's a very retro style. But yeah, uh, the the idea of little pigs hoping that they're chosen to be a certain ham is one of the most horrifying concepts that I've, <laughs> that I've thought about today. I just like, you know, it's it's such a an, uh, an earworm uh, get stuck in your head type of song to the degree, they're pushing that so hard that they actually tell you Sing it over and over and over again in the lyrics yes. is the words. Sing it over and over and over again. Sing it over and over and over again so that you're, even if you weren't going to be singing it over and over and over again, you might be singing it over and over and over again. Wow. I think I might be singing it over and over again now. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing it in my head right now. Right. Those little voices. Angelic. Angelic little 
suicidal pigs that crave death. <laughs> I just got to say, I know the Shasta isn't helping, but your choices today are going to kill us. You understand that, right? We got ice cream, we got sausage, and we got ham. Yeah. We got to do something here, man. Yeah, yeah. My last choice is, uh, while not going to be bad for your diet, it's going to be bad for your financial situation because the premise behind this jingle and this ad campaign that is very popular here in Baltimore is that at Eastern Motors, your job's your credit. Mm. As annoying as that was, it's <laughs> actually it's got it's got a lot going for it. Well, it's incredibly catchy and it's very it's very silly. To, because on the commercials for it, they've used local athletes and, and it's usually them kind of mugging <laughs> and, um, you know, lip syncing to it and kind of goofing around, like sitting in a car, kind of leaning uh-huh. out the window and kind of bopping. Uh-huh. But I also always thought it's kind of a banger. Yeah. I mean, a, a successful earworm in that way. And so I was like, oh, today, before right before we started recording, I was kind of digging around and I was, I'm going to find out a little bit if I can about the origin of this song. And I found out that Robert Bassam, or I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's B-A-S-S-A. AM, the CEO of Eastern Automotive Group. Mm-hmm. He's sort of credited with realizing that a jingle could be an important part of of getting his company's name out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I read further in the article, and it's just kind of mentioned in one line that the premise of the song was this, and oh, just, you know, we came up with the with some more people that worked there and his one of his friends who was an athlete that they could use for the commercial. They came up with this ad and they they put these, you know, this verbiage about the cars you can buy, all this stuff that you can hear in the the jingle. And then they just kind of just mention in there that it's basically set to the music of Shaggy's song, Hey Sexy Lady, uh, featuring Brian and Tony Gold. Ah. So much of what I like about that song and the invention of it, and as we were saying before, the weird song craft of a, of a corny jingle, much of that was, you know, like definitely the phrasing of the Eastern Motors jingle, I think was more fun than the Hey Sexy Lady phrasing, just the way the verbiage fits in with the rhythm. But the rhythm and the little horn sample and all that stuff, the things that I sort of viewed as the ingenuity of the Eastern Motors jingle... So much of it comes from yeah. the Shaggy song that I, I don't know how I feel anymore. I still feel like I, some part of me says the Eastern Motors jingle is still the the catchiest jingle that I've ever heard. But on another level, it, it, it's it been tainted somewhat by knowing right. that it's that it wasn't as much of an invention as I thought. Big asterisk. You didn't really come up with all that, but you still did a good job. So what did we learn about jingles today, Chris, in this in this exploration of some of these songs that that... All of them, I think, at some point have gotten stuck in our heads or they've been kind of ever-present. We've been kind of forced to listen to them. You really don't find them until you seek them out, which we obviously had to do for this episode. But normally this is just kind of the garbage in, garbage out of our lives, this this type of stuff, you know? Do you feel any differently about them now that we've kind of we've 
focused on them or, or yeah, what's your takeaway? It does point up how, uh, how, how big they are in our lives. You kind of think like, yeah, that's, those ads are over there and I'm mainly ignoring them, but it really is at least in your subconscious preying on you all the time to, to know that you've stored these, uh, you know, a hundred or 200 or who knows how many songs in your head that are out there really in order to get you to buy something. Uh, it's pretty uh, insidious, but at the same time, I don't mind. I don't think. Should I mind? I don't know. I really don't. I'm hungry for my lunch, so I'm going to go have some uh, ham and sausage and ice cream and uh, uh, <laughs> with a glass of Shasta. Thanks for coming on the show. Anytime. For more episodes of this show and others like it, subscribe to FYIZ wherever you get your podcasts.